Well, kids, this is where I would normally have a prayer with you up at the front before dismissing you for Children's Church, but uh, I hope you are watching outside, and I would invite you now to bow with me and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our children. We thank you uh, that from a very young age, um, hearts can be open to receiving you and open to the whisper of your love for them and that they can take that step even as a young child. Thank you that we even heard testimony of that um, this morning as Sarah shared, where as a young child, her heart was open to you. And so Lord, I pray that uh, for our young children, that their hearts would be open to you, that they would see and, and feel how much you love them, and that they would put their faith in you as well. So bless them, Lord. And we pray a uh, special blessing for them in these summer months as well. Lord, we thank you now for your word, and we thank you that as we open it up, we have your truth, not man's truth, but truth from heaven, truth that guides us and gives us life. And so we pray, Lord, that your light would shine in our hearts to understand this truth this morning. Speak through me, your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've entitled our sermon today, Noah's Ark, Baptism, and Jesus. There's a humorous story told of a man who left Chicago for a vacation in Florida. His wife had already headed there ahead of him on a business trip, and so he was planning to meet up with her there the next day. So when he reached his hotel, he decided to send his wife a quick quick email to let her know that he'd arrived safely. However, unable to find that little scrap of paper on which he'd written her email address, he did his best to type it out from memory. Unfortunately, in typing it out from memory, he had missed just one letter in the email address. And so, when he sent it away, unknown to him, he had directed this email instead to an elderly woman whose husband had just passed away the day before. And so, when the grieving widow checks her email, she reads the message, lets out a piercing scream, and then faints to the floor right out of her chair. Well, at the sound, her family rushes into the room and they see the email up on the computer screen, which read, Dearest wife, I just got checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Your loving husband. P.S. It sure is hot down here. (laughs) Now, told you that... uh, it's a little bit hard to, you know, laugh at a poor widow's expense, but uh, can anyone here identify with having mistakenly put a wrong email letter or number in a title before? You sent it to the wrong person. You ever received an email like that? I have. I've, I've done both. I can definitely identify with that mistake. However, I will say, to my knowledge, I've never received an email from beyond the grave before, so maybe some of you have, but I haven't. However, this story points us to an undeniable reality, that unless Jesus returns first, we all have a date with death, and then every last one of us will stand in judgment before God our Creator. As Hebrews 9.27 states, it is appointed that men will die once, and then comes the judgment. On that day when we stand before God's throne, eternity will begin. In a sense, eternity has already begun because we have all, as eternal, immortal souls, been born, launched into eternity, whether we look at it that way or not. But on that day, when when we stand before the Lord, that is when 
the life after this life begins, eternity begins. And on that day, it will be determined whether we spend it together with God forever or separated from God forever. And so in light of that reality, God's word reveals to us that the the very wisest thing that anyone can do, can ever do in their entire life, is to make certain that in this life they are prepared for the next life, that they are prepared for that coming day. Now, in our present generation, there are many people, some who I know personally, who have given little or no thought to their own mortality or what comes after their inevitable death. I was once discussing this very topic with, uh, with an older teenage boy, and we were debating this back and forth. It was, it was at Bible camp, and, and he was grappling with some of the chapel sessions, the gospel being presented. And finally, he said to me that because no one could definitively prove to him the existence of God or if there was, in fact, life after death, that he was just going to live his life however he pleased and then take his chances. That was what he said to me. He was just going to do what he pleased and then take his chances. And all I could say to him in reply to that was, you know what, that is your right. That is your choice. I can't make it for you. No one can make it for you. God won't force it upon you. But it's still quite the chance to take. Now, in Genesis chapter 6, I would refer there in your Bibles if you have them with you this morning, uh, you can turn to Genesis chapter 6 with me. And so here we're going to tie in this Noah's Ark story. Well, how does that fit in with, with baptism in Jesus? Well, let's go there and let me show you how. There we read about this ancient generation of people who had a very similar attitude of living however they pleased and then taking their chances. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we read this of them. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil all the time. So, in other words, these people, you might say, did whatever they pleased, whenever they pleased, without any consideration for God or his laws, or what the eventual consequences for these evil thoughts and actions might be. They basically lived life according to their rules, whatever they saw fit to do, whatever was right in their own eyes. And so in verse 6, we continue, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. I want you to notice here, That God's primary emotion was not anger or wrath. His primary emotion at, at the world having gone so wrong, so astray, his primary emotion is deep grief and heartbreak. It is the pain of a father whose own beloved child has willfully cursed his name, spit in his face, said, I want nothing to do with you, and then proceeded to live in willful rebellion and defiance. God's heart is grieving at what has happened to his children. And so verse 7, So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind, whom I have created, from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Now make no mistake here, this judgment is severe. But before we go and accuse God of being unfair or unjust, we need to stop and ask a few questions. First, does the creator have the right to do what he wills with what he has made? Or does the judge have the right to pass judgment upon those who have been found guilty 
in the court of law? Well, the answer to both questions is yes. God is the creator. We as mankind were made by him and therefore we belong to him. And so he has every right to do with us as he wills. Secondly, we have been found guilty in every respect. And so therefore, as a perfectly pure, holy, and just God, our rebellion against him requires judgment. It demands it. Justice must be served. And so it was not with glee or joy or happiness, but instead with profound grief and sorrow that God, as the righteous judge, pronounces judgment upon that evil generation. But even so, he still, even in this seeing that they are going to receive exactly what they deserve, his father's heart still decided to have a way to show mercy, to provide a way of salvation for mankind to continue on. And so we read in verse 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What does that mean? That Noah found favor. Does it mean that Noah was the one perfect man of the entire generation? Does it mean that Noah had never sinned? No, it doesn't. For the Bible clearly states, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that would include Noah. Noah had sinned. He wasn't a perfect, sinless man. So what then was different about Noah than the rest of that evil generation? What was it that made him find favor in the eyes of the Lord? Listen. It means that Noah had faith in God. Out of that entire generation, Noah was the one man who still believed in God. He had faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 and 7 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And so here we see that faith is to believe, first, that God exists. Faith is to believe, then it is to listen to God, and then it is to act upon what God says before seeing. You see, Noah had to believe in the unseen God. He had to then listen to what the unseen God was saying to him. And then he had to take an action to build an ark for a flood that had not yet been seen. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says we walk by faith, not by sight. So this this is what faith is. This is what Noah had. And that is what pleased God. That is why Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It was faith. There's a story told of a man who was lost in a desert, and he's near death for lack of water. And eventually, as he's stumbling his way across this desert, he comes up against an old pump with a canteen hung on the handle of the pump. And along with it was a note which said this, Below you is all the fresh water you could ever need, and the canteen contains exactly enough water to prime the pump. But not if you drink some first. Not if you drink some first. So think about that. What a, what a dilemma, right? What would you do if you're like this close to dying of dehydration and you've got this, this canteen of water in your hands and so here's this pump and in order to access this pump, you've got to pour out this life-giving food. What would you do? 
It's a dilemma. Because in your hands, this canteen of water is all that you can be certain of. The water in the ground, the pump, all of that is uncertain. So what do you do? Do you believe the note? Do you take the step of faith? Do you use that water to prime the pump? Or do you take it because that's all you can be certain of and drink it to the last drop? Here's the parallel to our lives. Our earthly lives, like the water in the canteen, that's all that we can see, and so that's all that we can be immediately certain of. Whereas God's eternal life, like the fresh water down in that well, cannot yet be seen. And so to pour out our lives in faith that there's a greater life yet ahead, it seems like a risk. And so the choice is, will we believe the note? Will we believe God's word and pour out our lives in this act of faith to him? Or do we instead cling to that canteen of our our lives because that's all that we can be certain of? And do we then just say, you know what, I'm going to live it up, I'm going to drink it to the last drop, and then I'm just going to take my chances? Our generation is steadily becoming more and more evil even as the descriptions were given of the generation of Noah. In fact, the Lord Jesus said that prior to his return, as in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And so in this world we're living in, Romans chapter 1, verses 29 to 32, gives this very fitting description. Listen to what Paul wrote. He says, They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Now, as we hear this long list, we look at it and say, well, I don't do all of those things, but I, I can guarantee you, and I put myself right there front and center, if we go through that list, if you ever disobeyed your parents, if you ever lied, there's a whole bunch of things in there that I am guilty of. And so as we look at all of these things listed here, we have to recognize that no matter how small they may seem to us, They grieve the Father's heart. They grieve God's heart. Today, just as much as back in the days of Noah, it says God's heart was filled with pain when he looked at what his children had become. And so listen, though our creator God has the right, and though as our judge our crime demands judgment, yet as our merciful, loving Father, his heart still desires to show us mercy. And so just as he provided a way for Noah, so he provides a way of salvation for this generation and for each one of us who are willing to enter into it by faith. And this brings us now to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. And you can turn there as well in your Bibles. Now here we'll find the connection between Noah's ark, baptism, and Jesus. 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah 
while the ark was being built. In it, that is the ark, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So now here, Peter states that the account of Noah is a symbol or a type of baptism. Now, this is a complex passage, so we're not going to dive into the the middle portion there about the Lord going and preaching to the spirits in prison. But I want to focus your attention in on the symbolism that Peter uses in this passage to draw a direct parallel between God's salvation for Noah way back then and God's salvation for us today. So here are the parallels. Noah's generation and ours. First, both generations, then and now, are under God's pending judgment for our sin. Of that, there can be no argument. We are under God's pending judgment today, just as we were back then. And I could give you a whole host of scripture, scripture passages that point to that reality. Secondly, both generations, then and now, are given mercifully given a window of opportunity where God waits patiently for anyone to turn to him in repentance and faith. Remember, God had already pronounced judgment, but mercifully he waited 120 years while that ark was being built, both as the means of escape and as a living message, a warning to the people. Hey, what is this ark about? Listen to Noah, the man building it. I I am almost certain that by the time that 120 years had passed, word of Noah's Ark and the message of it had gone global. I, I very strongly doubt there were anyone left alive on that day when the rain began who hadn't heard about Noah's Ark and the message attached to it. God waited patiently, and so he waits patiently for us. The day of grace, the day of mercy is still wide open for our generation today. Thirdly, both generations, both then and now, are presented with God's one way of escape and salvation. For Noah's generation, the one way, the only way, was the ark. And there was only one door on that ark. And so too, for our generation, there is only one way of salvation, one way of escape, one door. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the one way. He is the door. He is our ark. And so this is where baptism comes in. The water represents the grave and death. So for Noah and his family, it was by entering the ark that they passed through the waters and so were saved. And in the same way, Jesus is our ark. And through faith, we are hidden in him. We enter him through faith. And so, when we saw just a few moments ago, when we saw them go down into the water, hidden in Jesus, they go into the water, hidden in Christ, they enter death, dying with him. But then, just as Jesus arose from death, on the third day he arose triumphantly from the grave, we too, hidden in Christ, rise with him from the water, rising from death into new life forevermore. 
In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, the Apostle Paul uses this same analogy for baptism. He says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so, this is how we, like Noah, enter God's one way of salvation through faith. We enter Jesus Christ. He is our ark, and he takes us safely through the flood waters. There's a true story told that when some missionaries had first taken the gospel to a certain isolated island group and had been teaching the gospel to the, to the islanders there, and then finally they came to the need for baptism. And so when the day of baptism came, all of the locals came down to the beach, and the men were, driped, were dressed in their striped pajamas, and the women were in their nightdresses. And so the missionaries were a little confused by this strange attire. They didn't understand why they had dressed this way, but nonetheless, they proceeded with the baptisms. And it was only later on that they discovered why the islanders had worn their night clothing, essentially, to be baptized. They came to their first funeral, and they learned that their custom of the islanders was to bury their dead in their nighttime attire. And so the islanders had rightfully understood that in being baptized, they were burying their old sinful lives with Christ. And so they had dressed themselves for burial. And so just as Noah was saved from judgment because he was safe in that ark, so too we are saved from judgment because by faith we are safely hidden in Jesus. For he, the only righteous one, died on the cross with the one perfect death for us all, taking on himself the flood waters of God's judgment for all our sin in full. And so then with our debt paid in full, we pass through the storm. We rise up out of the water, forgiven, set free, restored to a new life in Christ, hidden with Christ forever in this life, and yes, for the life to come. And so today, both Sarah and Tamara have, through both their words and their actions, demonstrated their faith in God. They have poured out that canteen. They have entered the ark. They are safely hidden in Christ, and so have passed through the floodwaters into new life in Christ today and forever. So let me just ask, how about you? How about you? Have you poured out that canteen? Are you on board? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the one way? That door is still standing wide open, wide open, and the invitation is clear. Come aboard, be saved, because God, your loving Father, deeply desires that you enter his one way of salvation. Enter into relationship with him and be saved for today and for eternity. So why not take a step of faith today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your incredible mercy and grace that though as our creator, though as our judge, we deserve punishment, destruction, and judgment, and nothing less. But because of your great love and mercy as a father, you have made a way. You have made a way for that judgment to pass over us. And though we deserve it, it has fallen upon your son. And that he willingly took it upon himself. He paid the price in full. And so as we enter into him and his work for us through faith, it is applied to us. 
as though we had done it ourselves. And so we thank you, Lord, that by faith we can lay hold of this. And so I pray, Lord, that for anyone listening today who is present or listening at a great distance, it it doesn't matter. You are there with them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, make them realize that you are there for them even right now. The door is open and that by faith they can enter in. And so I pray, Lord, that you would usher more into your safe provision, your salvation, even today and even in this moment. Lord, I pray now that for all of us who have entered, that we would continue to walk by faith. I pray for for Tamara and for Sarah, Lord, that from this day forward, they will continue to walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that the one in whom they have placed their trust is faithful. And he will continue, you will continue to be faithful to them from this day until they meet you face to face. So walk with them, we pray. And now, Lord, as we continue in this service, would you continue to minister to our hearts by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. this on? Okay. (laughs) Congrats, Sarah and Tamara. Both very proud of you for making such an important step today, and especially Sarah. Um, It's been amazing to watch the transition that you've made in your faith going from something that mom and dad just told us to do on Sundays to in university, it being such a treat and something that we would look forward to all week coming home and coming to church and seeing all of you. And I truly believe that it is your faith in God and a testament to your faith that you've had so much success in university and have been able to overcome those challenges and struggles and the stress that comes along with it. And it truly has only made your faith stronger. I couldn't be more proud of you, and I wish you all the best in the future. (laughs) Again, I want to congratulate Tamara and Sarah uh, in this uh, journey of faith. Um, Well done. My uh, prayer and hope for you guys is that your faith um, will get you through the tough times uh, because they will come. That's called life. And the other thing is that faith hopefully will keep you um, modest, humble, and kind in the good times uh, because we can't uh, lose sight of of things when, uh, when they're going well. So again, congratulations. Well done, both of you. to congratulate both of you. Um, That's an awesome step of faith that you are taking. And uh, for you, Tamara, we have been um, together the last few years. We've met at Calby's, and you've just really been on my heart all these years. I thank you for your friendship. Um, You are precious. And uh, I want to welcome you into our church family. And it's not always easy, but 
my prayer is that us as a church will stand behind both of you in all that you go through. Um, and just remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Congrats to you ladies, and uh, it's been great watching Tamara's faith grow and the way she stood by me through some difficult times has been very refreshing. Congratulations, Sarah and Tamara. Um, welcome to the family of Christ as a church as well as a family. Um, and I encourage you to look up to him as much as you need to. It will be a struggle as the future comes. And you may text me whenever you need to. I am your auntie and I will always be there for you. I love you, girl. All right, I want to give one more opportunity. There's usually one more just waiting, getting up the courage. If anyone else would like to, to share a word with them, please, I'll give you opportunity to do that. All right, there wasn't one more, I guess. So we'll carry on. It is, uh, it is an exciting time. Uh, to always an exciting time to welcome someone into the family of faith and uh, you have made your faith abundantly clear here this morning so I would invite you Tamara and Sarah to come back up and we would like to formally welcome you into the church family of the Clarny Mennonite Church so please So now, all of us gathered here today, we are bound together in our common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of you who are not uh, immediate members of this local church family, those of you who share the, the common faith in our Lord Jesus, we welcome you together, uh, bound together by our common experience of the work of God and his grace in our lives. And so today we have witnessed the evidence of this work in both Tamara and in Sarah. And so we, we are now welcoming you uh, into this family of God. And we invite you to participate fully in our worship and in our mission. And so my question for both of you now is this. Do you accept our church's statement of faith? And are you committed to joining the mission of this church with your prayers, gifts, and service as God enables you? And so now for all of us present here today, we have an opportunity to affirm their 
pronouncement of faith. And so my encouragement and word for each one of us is this. As we receive them into our fellowship, we are entering into a joyous covenant with them. And so may they always find in us, this church family, a community of spiritual enrichment, encouragement, and refuge. May they find in us, always prepared to receive them as a part of the family, to celebrate them with their joys, and to openly share with them in their sorrows as well. And so, as a sign of our willingness, I would invite all of the members of the Clarny Mennonite Church, wherever you are, whether here in the balcony, outside, downstairs, or even at home, as a sign of your willingness to commit yourselves in welcoming them into this church family, would you please stand? Thank you. And so now for everyone, I would invite you to stand with us and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that this is your family and that it is you who has invited each one of us to be adopted as sons and daughters, heirs of the kingdom. Not through our own merit, not through something we had done, but because you provided the way through Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that it is simple as we have just heard by faith, laying hold of this incredible inheritance that we enter into as sons and daughters of the Most High King. And so, Lord, as we acknowledge that it is you who welcomes us into this family, as your minister, as your servant, I thank you now that I have the opportunity to, on your behalf, formally welcome Tamara and Sarah into your family and into this local church family of the Clarny Mennonite Church. We pray, Lord, that as they are welcomed in, that they would sense the love and unity of this place bound together by the Holy Spirit. Would you continue to fan into flame the gift which you have placed in each one of them by your Spirit? Would they find avenues of meaningful service to use those gifts you have given them to build up your church, advance your kingdom, and to serve you and show your love and work in their lives? And so, Lord, bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious unto them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.